The Daily Perspective is recorded live on stereo. All guests are selected at random and the conversation is never scripted. Guests are never censored, so parental guidance is advised. Enjoy the episode and don't forget to subscribe. I was born for his service. He filled me with purpose. Take your time while you worship him. I'm unplugged from the matrix. Believe without seeing, I'm plugged into the matrix. The Daily Perspective. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the Daily Perspective Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Daily. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to tell you, (laughs) I called this one, let me tell you why I'm mad. Let me tell you why I'm mad. Um, It's quite simple. I'm mad because... I got up this morning and I did my usual, my usual routine. Um, and then I checked the news, and the first thing that popped up was um, this message that, that well, it was this article talking about the Senate in Texas passing a particular bill, and. When I saw that, I was like, ah, here we go. Let me read this. And I thought it, to be fair, I thought it was clickbait when I first saw it. I saw the article that, I saw that, you know, the first thing on the article said, um, it said, oh, God damn, why why, why, am I going blank? It basically said, um, teachers, Senate bill passed, Telling teachers to telling teachers not to teach that the KKK were morally wrong, and I was like, "What in the hell?" So I started to I started to do a bit more digging, started to do a bit more reading. Then I saw that they were basically saying not only do they want teachers to teach that the KKK were um, not to teach that the KKK were morally wrong. They no longer wanted teachers to, to study um, or they no longer wanted the curriculum to cover the Martin Luther King, I Have a Dream speech. Um, then they also removed a few other items. Um, so they didn't want them to teach about uh, Native Americans and um, the injustice towards Native Americans, um, man. There were a few. I'm gonna see if I can if I can still find. Because I, I was looking at it. So it was. Forgive me. I I can't remember everything. But basically, it was trying to say that. was trying to say that they didn't want basically that it was called it's called critical race theory and they were saying they parents want their children to be able to think critically about things that have happened and and think think objectively or or whatever so for this reason they didn't want them to teach that the KKK was morally wrong they didn't want um, to teach about slavery, the eugenics movement, um, 
the suffragette movement, uh, the United Farm Workers leader, Cesar Chavez, um, Native American history, all of these things were no longer to be taught. But you're still going to teach on the KKK, but you, you just don't want it to be taught that they were morally wrong. And the argument was that this was all for the sake of critical thinking. And I'm looking at this like, what the hell are you talking about? How, how do you encourage critical thinking if you're only teaching one side of the story? And their very argument for saying they didn't want this to be taught was that they didn't want the children of this of the United States indoctrinated by the lefties and, and the lefty agenda. So in order to, to avoid that, they were going to stop teaching certain things so that the children could think, children would think critically. So it's not, so I could get it if the argument was, hey, let's not say that the KKK were morally wrong. Let's teach about what the KKK did in a factual way. Let's teach about what the Aryan um, Brotherhood do. Let's teach about all these things that happen in society today from a factual perspective. Then let's go to the other side and let's teach about what Dr. Martin Luther King said. Let's teach about what Malcolm X said. Let's teach about um, what Cesar Chavez did and and all these various movements. Let's teach it all from a factual perspective. Then let's let the kids who we are teaching these things to make their own judgment. Now that would be allowing critical thinking because the kids would be presented with both sides of the story from a factual perspective. And then they would have to make that decision as to what was right, what was wrong to me that would be encouraging critical thinking. That would be encouraging the children to go out and to do their own research to then bolster their arguments and to, to make sure that they, they truly have the right perspective. That's what I would think. No, that's not what they want to do. What they want to do is teach just one side of the coin the side of the coin that pleases them the side of the coin that continues to perpetuate the same issues the side of the coin that keeps one another another story down and only encourages one that suits a particular agenda and I'm, like I said, I'm all for critical thinking. You know, when I was growing up, when we were in school, we were taught, and it's weird, it's weird. Before I get onto that, I've always found it super weird that in the UK school system, you were taught about 
the American Civil Rights Movement. You were taught about apartheid in South Africa. You are taught um, ancient Rome uh, and the history of ancient Rome and you were taught so many other things, but never once, not once, do you cover history in the UK. You go, you, you, we talk about the First World War, you're taught about the Second World War. You are never taught about colonization and the British Empire and its impact on Africa and East Asia. You're never taught about what the British, the introduction of the British Empire into India did to the Kashmir region. You're never taught about how British rule destabilized um, governments and destabilized nations to the point where they became dependent on the British nations on, or on the British Isles. You're never taught about how colonization was just a fancy word for slavery. But you are very quickly taught about, you know, you're very quickly taught about British history. You, you're very taught about British history and, sorry, American history and, um, you know, people just pushing that damn agenda that, oh, America this, America that, South Africa this, South Africa that, the Dutch in South Africa, they did this, the Afrikaans, they did this or whatever. But they don't want to talk about what the UK did. Um, I got someone requesting to, to co-host with me. So, you know what, let's, let's, let's open it up. Let's see what, let's see who we got. We've got Dave Novak. Let's accept Hey, Dave. Hey, what's up, man? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Pretty good. How about yourself? Um, uh, I was doing pretty good till I woke up this morning and saw uh, the whole thing about the um, SB3 bill in Texas and that whole BS about <laughs> changing, I guess, rewriting history. <laughs> oh, what's that? What did they do in Texas? Oh, so the Senate, the Senate passed the um, the tech, Senate in Texas passed a bill to uh, teach that the KKK, that, well, they, they want teachers to stop teaching that what the KKK did was morally wrong. Um, they want to remove the Martin, uh, the study of Martin Luther King's um, I Have a Dream speech from the curriculum. They want to remove teachings about the suffragettes, Native American history. Uh, United Farms Movement, um, Cesar Chavez, all of that. They want it all gone. They want, it, they want to reduce the amount of teachings on slavery and its impact. Um, and the argument is that it will allow children to be more critical thinkers. Uh, interesting. <laughs> so I was, I, like, really I was like, that's, that's a bit messed up. 
Yeah. It's a bit a bit messed up because in my in my opinion, if you want critical thinkers in this world, um, you teach both sides of the argument from a from a factual perspective, um, and let and then let the kids decide themselves. And you know, people people get it. People really get it twisted because they think um, I'm not mad about I'm not mad about the fact that um, people get mad saying oh people they're trying to whitewash American history. I don't care about that. I, I care about people pushing agendas from their own personal views and not really thinking about the the children that that, that it impacts. You you can't teach critical thinking to someone by teaching them only one side of the argument. Then you're kind of leading the horse to water and making it drink rather than allowing it, you know, giving it the, the choice to whether it wants to go to the water or not. Yeah. Yeah, no, all all my favorite history teachers never they would make their political standings and what they thought on issues clear, but they would first ask us and they would present nothing but the facts out the open. They'd give us nothing but the facts and then they'd ask critical questions to make us think about it. And not only that, but a lot of them did go against curriculum, but they, they didn't do it. For instance, taking a, taking away, talking about slavery in America or, uh, the native American genocide or what have you. Uh, unless you're taking away very specific sections to focus, you know, less on the Incan empire and more on, for instance, what Japan Imperial Japan did during world war two. I don't think that's yeah. helping anymore. Cause that's the yeah. one thing I always had an issue with was when my high school teacher taught me about Imperial Japan and I was like, hold up. So I, I understand that the Nazis were important in world war two. They're key here, but our involvement was almost heavily and strictly upon the imperial japanese and they killed this many millions more chinese than the nazis did jews and mm. why am i finding this out now that i'm 18 why didn't i learn this yeah. when I, I like you you know you're told the six million jews were killed and that's important but you're told that ever since you're freaking you know 12 years old you don't learn yeah. that imperial japan marched and raped and murdered you know tens of millions more chinese until you know you're 18 years old that's more so like why the hell am i finding out about this now yeah yeah exactly and that's the point it's um it's what they say isn't it that that whoever wins the war writes history so um people then what we learn is history is what people want us to learn um who knows what deals were done in the background to keep, to keep that, to, to, you know, to change the, what became the mainstay of modern history. Um, but I agree with you that the the first thing you are taught is about the Holocaust. That was, I can, I remember my history lessons and just having that agenda just pushed continuously. Um, and I, as I was saying, growing up in the UK, we never learn about um, the UK's part in any of the crazy acts that went on in the world. They, we never oh, yeah. learn about their, the part they played. You know, they, 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 they use the word colonization. <laughs> but as I said earlier, before you joined this, colonization is, to me is just a fancy word for, for, for slavery because you go into an, in, into someone's nation and you take it over and, and under the guise of bringing them, making them more civilized um, or whatever. Who are you to say that they were not a civilized population? 
just because their their culture doesn't align to your culture doesn't mean that they're not civilized. Um, yeah. It, it's but again, that's not to say that does that doesn't happen in other places. That's why we have genocide across many nations because we have cultures trying to wipe out other parts of um, the cult of other cultures because they don't align to what they think. And these people may be the people of the same skin tone, whatever. That's why to me, it's important to point out, this is not about race. It's not about skin tone. It's not about no, that. racism doesn't exist. It's we're, we're, we're human beings. We're all human beings. It's just beings. another word for evil. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's what just it people is. pushing selfish evil agendas. Evil. Yeah, and that's, uh, I will say, the one thing where almost everyone hates me and disagrees is, like, for instance, in terms of war, you know, it, it is important to know what the UK did, and colonization for me is just another term for war, and that's what people didn't like about, you know, when I was explaining the Native American genocide, it, it, it was a war, before the settlers got here, or the colonizers, whatever you want to call them, the American, the English Protestants that were escaping, there was over a thousand native American tribes all warring with each other over land. We came in, we quote unquote, none of my people were here. They were slaves at the time under the English, but you know, the Americans or whatever you want to call them at the time came here and started winning. And the more issues that I have with it are the modern day atrocities that aren't talked about. It wasn't the initial war even because war is war and war is dirty everywhere you look. It's, when, when you waste your whole time talking about when they first came here for two weeks in school, and then over two days, you, you don't talk about the Indian reservations and the modern-day atrocities that take place because those are the ones that are bad. Because I, I can understand war. War is an evil thing. It's It happens, though, but it is what it is. Now, when we make a pact with somebody, when we make a promise, that is to be kept, and that's what I find cowardly, and it's not right. talked about. So given, you know, I'm, I'm from the UK, so I probably, I don't have um, the same insight that you do. So enlighten me. What, um, can you give me some examples? Oh, yeah, sure. So in school, for instance, I remember as early as fourth, fifth grade, you spend about two and a half to three weeks talking about when the settlers first came here to America and fighting the Native Americans. And they give you very selective information here. Now, what's happening now is really unfortunate because it's like schools here in America, and I'm not either liberal or conservative. You know, I'm, I'm a libertarian. I think, you know, my politics come down to just leave everyone alone to do what they want to do if you're not hurting anyone who cares. But yeah. uh, uh, schools in America since like the 1950s have been, or 1960s, I should say, have been largely liberal. And so they would tell you things like the settlers came here, war gave the Native American blankets purposefully to murder all of them. And from the start had genocide planned and they, you know, neglect to talk about the intricacies of all the different groups of settlers, all the different native American tribes, how we befriended for over a century, many native American tribes to take out the others and help them conquer their enemies. And that we did fight alongside them. And then when their sons came up, they're the ones that betrayed their own father's word. Um, so, so the issue with it really is that, you know, they just have a very one-sided, non-factual, you know, agenda-driven view. And that's what causes these things like in Texas is it's like a counter, you know, like a counterattack to them. And both are yeah. bad. Both are very bad because neither 
Neither has a big focus on facts. Yeah. Both are just agendas I, fighting each other. I think, and I think that's the point. Um, I, I was saying the same thing that the, for me, the biggest issue is, you know, if, if the argument is to encourage critical thinking, then te- then just teach the facts. Teach the yeah. facts, forget, forget the individual agendas and, and let people decide where they stand. Because naturally, um, people will fall, people will fall um, on, on one side. Or, and, you know, it, whichever side they choose, that will be based on their own upbringing, their own moral compass and whatsoever. Mm. But who are you to dictate to someone where they where they land if they if that person yeah. if you don't agree with that person's view then fine that's that's the whole point of freedom of speech that's the whole point of the right to choose um which the uk doesn't person have, right? you are. <laughs> oh dude dude we are awful no one talks about that no freedom oh, of speech man. there <laughs> dude it was so the did you hear about what happened um was it Tommy last Robinson? year? So, oh no, no. So, so this one was about. Um, this is about. We had um, obviously we had all the Black Lives Matter protests and all of that stuff. Um, then there were some other protests that took place. So last year, the government passed a law out, basically outlawing protesting. <laughs> well. So, so um, you you kind of have to get a permit to protest. Wow! So, yeah. so unless now unless by you, you the- were they were they protests or were there riots or you know here in America it's like there's a no lot of riots. protests. But the second that it it turns into a riot, even if you're there and you want it to be a protest. It's not anymore, you know what I mean? Whole cities were destroyed, and it wasn't everywhere. There's lots of places where it ended up good, but. You know, there in the UK, was there any damage done, or were they mostly peaceful nope. protests? Peaceful protests. Everywhere, All nice. Peaceful. Yeah, I saw John All Boyega. Okay. So that's what makes it crazy. Um, in some in some instances, the police went in mob handed, and um, just even though it was peaceful, because it was, and again, I get it because. I'm work, I, I, I work with law enforcement, so I understand the pressure that they were under at the time. And um, I understand because I had sight of the rules that were, come, that they were the, what they were being told by government. So it was Corona, it was COVID time. UK, I am from the UK. So, okay, um, yeah, so it was, it was COVID time and the laws that were and what the police were being told was that gatherings were not supposed to take place and they were being told to disperse them. Now people were coming together to protest. And although the the protests were peaceful, they were in violation of social distancing rules. Now what wasn't clear was whether the government was making any exception because um, to be fair in, in, in the House of Commons and in, 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 you know, in the House of Lords, <laughs> they were breaching social distancing rules all the time. So, mm. um, but they would say they were conducting um, official business, but these people were not being, they were wearing masks. Yes, they were 
within two meters of each other, but they were when the they government does with, it. It, when the government does it, it's okay. But when the people do it, that's a violation. I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And they basically, sh- and that was the driver for the police going in mob handed. Now the, the police's approach to me was a bit, um, was a bit irrational and, and um, counterintuitive because really and truly they should have gone in and spoken to the people. And even if you weren't going to, you didn't have to disperse them. You just had to encourage social distancing. That's all you had to do. Encourage them as a protest whilst maintaining social distancing because they weren't break. They weren't, it wasn't violent. It wasn't rioting. It wasn't disruptive yeah. in any way. And, but that's anyway, it went crazy. Oh no, no. Tell a lie. Tell a lie. So I'll take that back. There was one instance um, of um, destruction of property there was a statue of a of a slave owner, um, which was which was torn down and thrown into thrown into the into into the river. Okay. And that was uh, there was a statue of a guy called Edward Edward Colston, who was a uh, a British slave owner, and yeah, yeah, the people tore that down and threw that into threw that into the sea or whatever. And that was the only thing that, that was the only account of sort of destruction of property at, that that happened. Gotcha. But okay. Because that's obviously, res- I'm, as you, as I'm sure you know, it's it was that was not the case in America here. That was not no. the case in the states. No, I know uh, it was crazy. Because if I was protesting, I'm all for that. Hell, my uh, I'm white, and my brother got locked up for you know having drugs planted on him. But police brutality isn't a a black issue it's an everyone issue here in america no one realizes that but agreed my, my, two of my brothers have now gone to jail one has gone to prison my father has gone to prison and three of those four were from police brutality and improper policing uh one of which my my brother just finally beat his case against the uh police uh so he's now nine one and oh against the police department so <laughs> that just goes to show you how bad it is. And he's a, yeah. a, a white redneck looking dude. You know what I mean? He's as white as it gets. <laughs> so, yeah. but, but, you know, the, that was the only issue I had here was, you know, the damage that was being taken place was counterproductive. And if it was straight yeah. protests, then I'm all for it. I would have been there, but I'm not going to go downtown and get arrested for other people breaking shit. That's where things get dangerous. Yeah, I Especially agree with that. Yeah, I even understand, you know, attacking the government to an extent, because at least they're the ones responsible, but to attack private business private owners who have nothing to do with it, or you don't even know. Now you're, you're destroying people's lives who may even agree with you. You don't know. They might be next to you, shoulder to shoulder with you. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with that. That was my argument as well um, as to one of my reasons for not partaking in any of the protests and things like that, that in most cases um, they've turned they turned horrible. They turned nasty. They turned um, in the past. It, as I said, it didn't really happen last um, with the last ones, but in the past, they quickly became acts of violence and looting. And yeah. I'm not, I'm not for that. You know, as a small business owner myself, um, yeah, I would not want my business to to be destroyed because for for any as part of any protest. Because for yeah. most cases, I support um, 
you know, most of the protests that we've had, we had one where, um, a recent one where a police officer, um, they were protesting about the safety, safety of women um, because a police officer kidnapped and murdered a young woman who was walking home. Oh, God. Um, and there was a protest for that, and the police went in mob-handed and broke that up. But again, that, that, turned, that started to turn nasty. Now, I, I, agree, I agree with what they were protesting for because I'm a father of three daughters. But uh-huh. do I agree with them damaging property as part of their protest? Hell no. Because it's, it, it takes away from your cause. And that's my, again, that's a big issue that people seem to miss. Uh, if you go out there and you start to destroy property, no one remembers your cause all they remember is what the, the private property that the was destroyed. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's funny. Um, when you look at it, um, I love to have these sorts of conversations because when you have these conversations, you, you realize that there's more that connects us than what separates us. Um, and it's a simple, it's a simple fact. We are all flesh and blood. We are all, um, the, the, the difference the main difference between us all is skin tone and how, what, how much of a factor should that really play in anything? Why should, why yeah. does it have to play a factor in anything? The fact is if, if the playing field was leveled, we would all go through the same experiences. Um, and I would argue based on what you said, I, I would argue that in most cases it's not, it's not um, the biggest, the biggest enemy that we have. The biggest evil that we we fight against is capitalism, because capitalism is what creates a classist society, and classism is probably the worst thing that we have to deal with. Because it doesn't matter whether you are white, black, Asian, um, Indian, Native American, whatever. If you are poor versus someone who is um, rich or someone that has a level of wealth, you are always going to end up worse off in every situation. And it doesn't matter. Um, a black, a, a black wealthy person can have some nasty shit done to a white poor person. That's got nothing. To do, that's got nothing to do with race. That's got. That's just down to the fact that he has the resource to do some messed up stuff. Capitalism yeah. is probably one of our biggest enemies, and no, and it it underpins um, most of these arguments. People don't appreciate that slavery was about acquiring a workforce for free that was capable of doing the work. Black people were not the first people to be enslaved. They tried to enslave the Chinese. You had the Chinese working on the rail, railroads. You had Native Americans working on, on the railroads and stuff like that. Um, but because black people were used to working in such um, extreme conditions, because, hey, Africa's hot. <laughs> it's, uh, no. that, it, that's not, you know, I'm not making that up. That's fact. <laughs> so um, they're used to doing they are capable of handling the labor. It was seen as a cheap or a free workforce that they could get. And let's not, let's not hide the fact that 
because of, as you said, similar to the Native Americans, we had infighting amongst tribes within, um, within Africa as well. Some tribes were willing to sell off other tribes for gain. Yeah. That is capitalism and that is human nature. Slavery is nothing new. Exploitation is nothing new. If you want to take it to from a from a from a um, you know, what well, people will argue that the, the that the Bible isn't a true account of history. But what I'm saying is that in the Bible, it even talks about slavery. So it's not a new notion. It's not. Um, it's something that has been that's happened for commercial gain or for cap from from a capitalist point of view from a very long for a very long time uh, I disagree on the on the point of capitalism mainly being that most of the situations you talk about ca- capitalism is to gain from these scenarios for instance slavery and whatnot but but the real reason that they were in that situation wasn't simply capitalism but it was the fact that they were stripped of their rights and it's more importantly power for instance you see in communist dictatorships that a lot more people have a lot more to gain at the top by abusing their power and saying that they're for the people. I mean, that's what exactly what happened in the USSR and whatnot. It's, it's more just shitty people than it is anything. When it comes down to capitalism, if you have pro- protected rights, like you do here in America, freedom of speech, uh, the right to bear arms, which is, you know, obviously to fend off against the government. It's not for anything else. Um, but you have freedom of speech, you, you have human rights and you have, the rights that you have as a U.S. citizen, you can't be abused in a capitalist system in terms of nothing really matters to capitalists here except for money. And that that reduces on discrimination. I am a small business owner. I run and own five businesses. I do not care who you are or what you believe in. I believe in capitalism and that's it. That's <laughs> all I care about is making money. And I, I love this country. I, one of the things I sell is American flags for gun concealment furniture. If that market changes to Black Lives Matter flags or pride flags or even transgender flags where I disagree with, you know, uh, I don't disagree with necessarily being transgender, but I disagree with the transgender movement. I, I don't care. I'll make it because it makes me money and I don't care about that. I also don't tend to exploit my my workers. I guarantee you the workers of my company live better than almost any other worker in the world. And uh, taking apart this, you know, the stance of trying to compare Denmark, for instance, who is very open market and as much as people want to call them socialists, at all costs, their own government and economists keep telling the world, stop calling us socialists. We are completely open market. And not only that, but the socialist part of their government is completely backfiring on them. So that being said, I'm not a big, like, you know, capitalism's perfect deal, but uh, if, if you have protected rights and you ensure that people's rights are protected then then it doesn't really matter at the end of the day socialism people tend to be evenly okay uh doing all right uh communism everyone is doing equally as awful and at the end of the day you're all fucked whether you're capitalist socialist or communist not based on your neighbor generally but the government and that's exactly what it was for the slave trade it's exactly what it was for the ussr all these instances weren't generally regular day citizens that were committing huge violation of human rights. And if it was, it was because they were working with the government. It was the government powers that be that were abusing the power. Not the basic economic system itself. 
Okay, I get that. I get. That. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe the use of the term capitalism is, is wrong. I'll, I'll accept that because um, I think I think we are saying. Um, I think my argument is the same as yours. Um, I've just probably chosen the wrong terminology. Um, but yeah, my my view was that it's it was done for it was done for some people's commercial gain. Is is the argument that that I'm I'm coming with. People wanted to make money. Uh, certain people wanted to make money. People at the top, because again, the, from especially from British perspective, the first slave company was formed by was owned by the royal family. Um, it was called the the Royal African Company or whatever it was called, um, and that was the first slave company that create built the slave ships. Um, mm. The slave the, the, those ships were financed by one of the, the the world's biggest banking conglomerates now, which is Barclays Bank. Um, all of these people knew that what they were financing and what they were doing was a violation of human rights. Um, and yes, stripping away people's rights, but they wanted to make money, so they turned a blind eye, or they or they just went with it. Yeah. I'd like to be clear too. I am I am a pure capitalist in the sense that, for instance, here in America, a lot of people talk about capitalists and they talk about the big banks and the bailouts. That's not capitalism, and people don't understand that. Is that they keep blaming capitalism? Those are exactly what I was just talking about. These are companies that are working with or for or owned under government entities that are bailed out and saved. There is no such thing in capitalism. I built up. My five businesses from one in the past three years, it could totally crumble tomorrow. As long as it's only through the fault of the open marketplace and not the government, then I'm totally fine with that. And I'm prepared for that outcome, but it's not going to happen. Yeah. Did you say you built your five businesses from one in the last three years? Yeah, and actually by the end of the year, it'll be eight. Wow, that's commendable. I, I, I applaud you. Thank you. Yes, it's uh, it's been pretty good. I mean, a lot of it had to do with the fact that I'm from the very socialist, you know, here in America, it's it's very different state to state. I mean, the, I come from the socialist state and it is a socialist state of Illinois. And I mean, it is hell there, not necessarily just because it's socialist, but because it's modern day socialist and the corruption tied into the government that ended up taking yeah. place is just absolutely awful. Again, it's not purely socialism that's the issue, but the type of socialism that's there where the government corruption there is so big that they could tell people that if you want a sweet tea, we're going to tax you for every single ounce inside that sweet tea. And a dude who's 300 pounds on television is telling you this, you know that you live yeah. in a place where you got a problem. When, when morbidly yeah. obese people are telling you as an athlete that for every ounce of Gatorade you want to drink, they're going to tax you, you know that you have an issue. <laughs> And so they're very <laughs> anti-business there. They're very anti-people. And, and they want people to continue to live in a welfare state, which is different than trying to help actual people in need come out of poverty, which yeah. was my issue. So I took my one business. We moved all the rest of them to Florida, which is very pro-business. They were very helpful in getting us down here. They gave us many tax breaks. I didn't use those tax breaks to not pay my fair share, but instead it was a compromise where I told the state, I'm coming down here. 
I'm going to employ a lot of people. I'm going to keep building my businesses and I'm going to keep them here in Florida. I need two years break on taxes and then you can have me for eternity paying taxes for my business right here in this state because you guys are friendly. And I know you're not going to jack up the taxes on me and, and you're not going to overcharge county taxes anywhere, allow that to happen. That being said, give me two years tax break so I can employ a lot of people and get people jobs here where you need it. And we'll go ahead and open up shop. And after that, you can tax me to eternity and I'm fine with that. That's a fair compromise. So that's exactly what we did. And it's been going good. That's great. That's great. Uh, and it is crazy that um, the law can, and the t- you know taxation and everything can vary from state to state in uh, in the U.S. I find that so amazing because oh yeah you know in the U.K. it's <laughs> it's a what it, look we everybody everybody is under the same rule unless you unless unless you are super wealthy. Because yeah. when you were super wealthy, you, you somehow pay no tax. <laughs> yeah. In, in comparison to any everyone else, that is, you know, um, it, it's crazy for us that as soon as you are, as soon as you earn over, um, what is it now? Let me let me make sure I'm getting this right. I think from now, once you earn over. Uh, I'm gonna about four between forty five and fifty thousand pounds. You immediately move from a twenty twenty percent tax bracket to a forty five percent tax bracket. Given the given the way um, the rate of inflation, you can't survive. Yeah, You're, it's it's better for you to stay below to stay in the 20% tax bracket than to just barely creep into um into the higher tax bracket yeah because yeah and that's uh, that's what's happened largely here in america is that and you know the the sad thing is, is like you know i'm sure you've heard of bernie sanders for instance yeah i i like bernie sanders a lot i think that he is a very genuine man um I think he's incorrect. I disagree with him, but I think he's a good guy. I think that what he believes, he purely believes will help the country. The issue, the issue is that uh, as, as communist like utopia exists, there's, there's a lot of the socialist utopia where Bernie Sanders says a lot of great things. But for instance, during the COVID shutdown of this country, billionaire businesses from the socialist and, and and just generally democratic, but mostly the socialists push forward the hardest from AOC to Bernie Sanders are the policies that helped billionaire companies become stronger and individual millionaires become so much weaker. And so they just don't realize that they're working against their own self-interest or even worse, in a lot of scenarios they do, and the people just don't care to dig into it. And so, for instance, during the shutdown, when they shut down, all they did was, hey, you know, Bernie Sanders and ALC said, hey, you can't, you can't go to your local grocer. They're closed now. You can't go to your local business. They're closed now. You can go to Amazon. You can go to Walmart. And so what they did is now these people that they've already given tax breaks and tax loopholes because mm-hmm. they are the people that did that are now benefiting up the wazoo and smaller businesses are crumbling from it. 
And yeah. people just don't pay attention to the corruption. For instance, Bernie, like I said, I like him. Bernie doesn't realize that he's feeding into it because he just has to, in America, the party politics, he just has to vote yes. He doesn't really have a choice. If he doesn't vote yet, yes, you know, he's going to be outcasted. Yeah. Doesn't matter if he tries to make a stand. Doesn't matter if he tries to fight against it. The second that he does, the progressives will do exactly what they do to every normal citizen of this country or celebrity, and they're going to turn on him and say he's not progressive enough, and that's why he's doing it. Not that he actually cares about the people and sees what it's doing, but that he's evil. Yeah. I get it. I hear you, because when we had, with, with the shutdown here, um, for the longest time, the only place that you could uh, you could get anything was the major supermarket chains um, like Tesco's um, who, and Tesco's people, people always seem to think Tesco's is just a supermarket chain. They have banks, they have um, restaurants, they have technology companies. They are, they were, they were moving towards that Amazon model a, a long time before Amazon were. It's just that yeah. they they did not invest as, as aggressively as Amazon did in infrastructure and technology, which allowed Amazon to to accelerate and move past anyone else that had a similar idea. Um, but like yeah. you said, they were able to achieve that because of the crazy tax breaks that they were given. Um, yeah. But but yeah, similarly here, you you could only go to Amazon and these big companies to to get your groceries and to get. Everyone became reliant on Amazon, even people like me that were that had a Prime account. Um, so in the UK, if you've got a Prime account, you get your stuff next day. That's how it's always been. Once COVID yeah. hit, I was still paying for my Prime account, but my stuff wasn't turning up for three, four days. Sometimes it wouldn't turn up for a week, um, but I was still expected to pay for that service, for that next day service, and no one called them out on it. You know, no one yeah. called them out on 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 that sort of behavior. Um, locals, local shops, small businesses, small greengrocers, local news agents, and things like that, they struggled to stay open because, hey, they weren't allowed to. They weren't big enough to allow for social distancing and whatever, or the government just didn't yeah. give them any leeway to stay open. Small re- restaurant chains. Where I live, I live in a small town. So, um, you notice when a new small business pops up and a, a new restaurant opened up um, just before or just before our second lockdown, I think. And the second lockdown was the longest. And you know, I think they opened up hoping that there wouldn't be another lockdown. It was locked down for so long. By the time. By the time we came out of lockdown, they'd gone out of business. They didn't even they didn't have a fighting chance. And that's sad yeah. because you you think about how much money was invested to get that restaurant off the ground. And that yeah. poor individual is now lumbered with um, either a complete loss of all their capital. Um, if if the money came out of, let's say, equity in their home or whatever, they're, they're, that's all gone. Um 
and I'm sure they're lumbered with some other bills and debts that they, they still have to pay off. Yeah. It's crazy. It's that's yeah. um, And that's even as a pure capitalist, that's again where my issue is, is. I don't even have an issue with the way in which Amazon conducts its business as as a capitalist entity. I don't care if, if, if they want to pay their, for instance, their workers a certain amount for a certain amount of work. The workers have the right to say no. And obviously, if Amazon lowballs their offer to the point that it's so low that the labor's not worth it, they won't have the workforce there, which is where I like open markets, is that if, if you're offering a job out for people to do, and it's and it's a lot harder than what you're paying for, you're not going to get anyone there. And that's what's happened here with companies that no one wants to talk about, like FedEx and UPS, is that they don't pay as much. Amazon does pay more, so now they have the workers. Yeah. You know, a lot of people complain about you know the amazon jobs but it's funny because everyone that i know that works for amazon just every regular day running people used to work for ups and fedex and they love amazon because they say well i'm taken care of now i get benefits i get pay and and work is hard but work is always hard i mean it's i'm not i'm not digging ditches out here i mean it, work isn't easy but you know there's ways for me to work my way up in the company and do better and some of them that i've seen have and some have moved on to better jobs but my my issue isn't with any of that it's with the fact that amazon for instance during the shutdown they incentivize and work with the government on the shutdown to make sure that their services were so convenient for america that all the small businesses had to shut down and that's not a capitalist system that's that's a a, a shady back alley way uh, oppressive system. That's not capitalism at work. It doesn't matter if you're in a socialist, communist, capitalist society. That's just them doing shady work with the government. And that's exactly yeah. what In terms of any of their capitalist practices of actually, you know, free and open market of labor or, you know, how they deliver, what their working conditions are. I don't care if the working conditions aren't that good. Get a job elsewhere. That's what I did. That's what everybody else has done. I, you know, I, me running my business too, I didn't get a a loan from mommy and daddy. My dad was never in the household. Most of my brothers were never in the household. I grew up extremely impoverished, living off of welfare with just me, my mom, and my three little sisters. I've had a full-time job since I was 14 years old working in places like Amazon. And what I did was, is I can either sit there and continue to be a fish and stock mm. shelves those crappy jobs and get crap pay, because that's what it is. Is you have crap skills, you're going to get crappy pay. Or I could work my ass off to acquire skills that are more important and get into a better paying job. I just understood that nobody was going to do that for me except for myself. And that the big companies, for instance, are not, they are to be used as a tool. I used Amazon. I used Jewel Osco. I used Walmart. I use all these places as a tool. I'm going to give you this labor. I'm going to do it. You're going to pay me. I'm going to save up every penny I can outside of paying bills. I'm going to open my own place. And it's going to be a hell of a lot better than this. And then I could pay myself because I understand that you guys don't want me for my <laughs> my musician my musical talent or whatever the hell you call it or athletic abilities. You want me to put that can on the shelf? That's fine. I'll do that for now. I'll do it as many times as I have to to get out of this situation. And luckily, yeah. in America, such income mobility where I've gone from being extremely impoverished to doing very well off and taking care of my family. And you know, I moved across this country with absolutely nothing but two bags of clothes and a few dollars in my pocket. And I got it to work on my way because I worked hard. Yeah. That's what I love about America. Uh, I I think um, with the way America is set up, if you, if you really want it, you can, you can make it happen. Um, 
and I, I guess why is it's why it's called the land of opportunity. Um, yeah. uh, so I, I agree with, with everything that you said in the sense of if I don't get people that say work is hard and complain, um, it's called yeah. work. The clues in the name. The clues in the name is it's going to be hard. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I've worked in places. I used to work for Barclays. Yes, I, I was quite fortunate. I, I went in, um, I, didn't, well, I didn't go in with a, a senior position or anything like that, but I, I had a good degree. I had, um, I had a good background. So I, but I still had to prove myself. I actually went in doing work at a higher grade, but being paid at a lower grade. And I had to prove myself to get the higher grade. Um, and when I, when I got into the organization, I had people, I had a boss that said to me, um, because other members of my team were complaining that I never seemed stress. Mind you, this was me leaving home at, uh, around quarter to six each morning to get into the office for seven or just after seven working right through till about 7 p.m., getting home around quarter past, half past nine, um, seeing seeing my newborn baby and my wife and uh, for maybe 30 minutes and then getting back to work on my laptop because I'd get a phone call to say that um, I needed to produce um, some analysis or a presentation pack for a meeting for 9 a.m. the following morning. So I wouldn't go to yeah. bed till maybe midnight and then I'd be up to leave the house at quarter past five, quarter, quarter to six again. So I had people telling me that I didn't appear, people in the team saying I wasn't stressed. <laughs> so she wanted to check whether I had enough work. And I and then I reeled off all the work that I was doing. And she, thought, she said, oh, you've got a full plate. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, so why don't you seem stressed? And, you know, I was like, because I'm not. So she said, well, I'm going to try and find your breaking point. And I said, good luck. Uh, because I'd grown up with the mentality that I'd always had, I had to work twice as hard as everyone else to get the same recognition. So in my mind, I knew that, um, I knew that, I would always be tested beyond what everyone else has tested. So the resilience was already in my mind. I, you know, people used to think I was academically gifted. I wasn't academically gifted. My, my, my sibling, my brother was, he, that, that dude, he, he's super smart. Anything he, he wants to learn, he can learn it. Yeah, I can learn yeah. stuff. But um, some of my, I was more gifted in artistic things. But coming from a from a Nigerian background, my parents expected me to be more science based and all of that stuff because traditionally that's you know that's what they push. You're going to be an engineer, you're going to be a lawyer, or you're going to be a doctor or whatever. So they expected you to be good in those fields, and I wasn't great. I was I was really good at maths, but um, my chemistry sucked. Um, yeah. I biology, sucked at everything, but <laughs> <laughs> so, but I knew I had to work extra hard, even just to get yeah. the grades. I had to work extra hard. So it was already inbuilt. 
So for me, when people say work is hard, it, it, yeah, I'm like you. It annoys me because I'm like, of course it is. But anything yeah. worth having is, is hard. Anything yeah. worth having in this life, you have to work hard for. And if you don't have that built in, if you, if you can't work hard for it, then just accept, um, accept what you're doing and, and, and don't complain about it. Yeah. It's, it's that simple. Accept what you're doing. Don't complain about it. If you really want to make a change to your situation, put in the work. And thank God we have the internet because the internet makes it even easier to do that. You can start. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Imagine these people being dropped in a few, even say, a hundred years back, just a yeah. hundred years ago. The, what Dude, what, what year is it? 2021, 1921? You think you're going to make it in 1921, buddy? You don't Dude, like to work? I don't work? even have to go that far back. <laughs> I, I, I graduated. I came out of uni, university in, 20, in 2001. And even if I was to go back to just before I started university, when, we was, when I was at university, we still had dial-up internet back then. So that was before, that was like right at the start of the dot-com era. So even at mm-hmm. that point, if you didn't, if you, you, it's so easy compared to back then. Yeah. So much easier. Oh, yeah. So I don't That's, understand I, why these people complain. Yeah. I mean, the, the one that really bothers me too is, you know, people talk about privilege. I don't believe in the whole like white privilege thing, but I believe in privilege in general, 1 million percent. And that is that I grew up in the South side of Chicago, dirt poor, and I didn't have to work every day. I had to fight every day. There is a guy around each and every corner ready to kick your ass, whether you like it or not. <laughs> whether you're the nicest guy ever or you're the worst guy in the world, someone's around that corner to beat your ass. Yeah. And especially me, because I was a loudmouth and I didn't like bullies. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't like bullies one bit. And I'll take 10 smacks on the jaw to, to tell you that you're a bitch for picking on someone smaller than you. And, and I don't care. And, and so that was the one thing that really got me was especially – Post, you know, post vaccines, because I'm not one of those crazy guys that don't think COVID exists. I know it exists. I think people should be cautious. I disagree with the lockdowns because I think that the lockdowns had a lot more harmful effect than COVID itself even would have had if we had taken just smarter measures. For instance, here in Florida, I don't know if you've heard people talk about a lot of dirty laundry in Florida. Florida is actually getting punished and has been getting punished because our numbers are so much better than what they're supposed to be. Right from the start, everyone has been smack-talking Florida because we are the biggest tourist state with the most like diverse group of people out of anywhere yeah. else in the U.S. from all parts of the country and the world, constantly coming in and out. We were supposed to be the deathbed of, of everything with COVID. We weren't. We, in fact, New York was worse, New and York, Michigan yeah. was worse, and Illinois was worse, and a million of California was worse. All these other places were worse, and we're being punished right now on a federal funding scale because we overperformed and not that many people died and we weren't shut down at all. I mean, we were shut down for the normal, I think it was a two or four week time span that everybody else was. That's it. Other States like Illinois have been, were shut down for, for practically a year. I mean, it was crazy. Kind of like what I'm sure you guys had to deal with in England. Yeah. And we weren't shut down that long at all. And our death count was lower uh, per capita per people. You know what I mean? And, and what it was, was, is that, 
we, we listen to actual science and people are saying that we don't listen to science because we don't lock ourselves in our house. Well, how did that work in Michigan when they're locking old people in the nursing homes, forcing them to stay there with younger people who are killing them? Yeah. What we did here was we made common sense things. Listen, people are going to go out. Here's what we're going to do. And, and Ron DeSantis, I, I love and hate the guy. He's done great things. He's done very bad things, I think. One of the great things he did was he said, listen, I am asking the Florida citizens. I'm not going to make anyone do anything, but I'm asking you for the sake of elderly people, especially from the morning time of 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Don't go to the grocery store. The younger you are, please, the later you go at night. And then that way, what we had here was elderly people only, very socially distanced, very sparse crowds showing up in the morning at grocery stores that were freshly cleaned, getting their groceries safely. And young guys like me, I would show up at 11 p.m. to get my groceries at the end of the night. I wouldn't eat all day some of the days because I, you know, I've been working so much, but I would wait until 11 p.m. just for the sake of elderly people. And little things like that are what dropped our count that dramatically. And we were punished for it. And people did not like it. They were pissed. <laughs> um, they, they were very pissed. And and it's funny because people still talk about, you know, like like we're just a giant graveyard here. And it's like, well, we're still very well under the numbers. And now with it, you know, at post-vaccination, though, what, what I was getting to with the story before I trail off too much was post-vaccination. I'm vaccinated. I, I even wore my mask for a few more weeks there to make sure. My sister is actually one of the top COVID doctors in the United States. She's out of Hawaii. She is Hawaii's top COVID expert, and she is freaking awesome at what she does. She is one of the best doctors in the world. She went to Duke University and Loyola Med School, and she is one of the best. I don't listen to anyone but her because I trust her and I know her, which is what everyone should do if if they have that power is to trust their physician that they know or their best doctor that they know personally. Because even Fauci was out here talking about how you didn't need a mask very early on when my sister was saying, you better wear a mask. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You better wear one. Uh, It'll go in your interest a lot better than you think. Uh, And and I went to Chicago and it was crazy because I'm fully vaccinated. I'm outside at a mall shopping center. No one is within 10 to 15 feet of me without a doubt. And the people that are, you know, 15 feet away from me, I'm just walking by. And this very young security guard, young lady who's obviously a lot younger than me, comes up and says, you need to put on a mask right now. And I simply told her, no. And oh my God, would you imagine the mental breakdown that this lady had? No one had ever (laughs) told her no in her life. And oh God, does that bother me to see all she called backup. Backup comes, sir, you need to wear a mask. No, I'm outside. I'm fully vaccinated. I don't need to wear a mask. That guy shits for bricks, too. He's a young guy, too. And, oh, my (laughs) God, these guys have faced so little adversity in their life that they couldn't handle someone telling them no. Yeah. Are you kidding me, buddy? How'd you even get this job? I mean, it's a security job, so you stand around and do nothing because it's for a mall. It's not like you work at the airport or somewhere serious, a club where there's fights. But damn, buddy, you need to straighten out your life if me saying no to you really just rocked your world that hard because the guy looked like he got hit by Mike Tyson. (laughs) And and he just could not handle it. And it's like, man, I've growing up, it was like I'd have stomach aches getting on the bus because I knew there was going to be a guy there every single day to kick my ass. Imagine if that guy had to go on that bus. 
<laughs> yeah. That's actually one of my biggest fears in the world is just that uh, so many young people, and I don't want to, you know, disenfranchise all of them because hell, I even I have a much smaller staff than Amazon. Even then, I'm willing to bet that my staff that I have now is way more diverse than Amazon or any other company. And that's it kind of goes to capitalism. I don't care about anything about you except for your working ability and when you could work. Can you make it here? Okay, what days can you make it here? Okay, what experience do you have? Or even if you don't have experience, because that's the person I just hired most recently, I actually hired over someone with experience. And it was because their answer was, when I, I asked them something and I said, are you handy? Can you build stuff? Can you use tools? And their answer was, you know what? I'm not going to lie to you. I can't, but I would be glad to know how. I would be happy to learn. And I will work tirelessly to learn how to do it better than anyone else. And that's what matters. That's it. Yeah. Are you willing yeah. to work? And that was, and uh, my staff, I could probably not disagree with more on like world issues and stuff like that. I could not disagree with them more on everything. I guarantee <laughs> it. The most recent individual I hired was a transgender individual, uh, a female to male transgender individual. I never thought yeah. I would hire someone like that. I, I mean, most of them that I have met, to be fair, in Chicago have been what I would consider to be mentally unstable people, not because they're transgender, but because I've talked to them and I've seen how they compose themselves. This transgender individual, his name is Terrence. He's fucking awesome. He's the best employee I have. All that mattered to me when he walked in was not that he was transgender. It was that his mentality was, I am poor right now. I do not have a place to live. I sleep in my car and I'm willing to work my ass off to get this job. Yeah. And that's it. That's all that counts. And, and, you know and he's what? as tough as nails and he's tougher than 99% of the people out there today. You know what? I have to say that, you know, whilst, whilst I, I would say that I'm, I'm not a capitalist, I still agree with that, with the mentality gotcha. that you have. Gotcha. Um, because for me, it's about a willingness to do, if, you, if, you're take, if you're applying for a job, it's not about whether you have, uh, so I run, t I run teams of business analysts. Mm -hmm. I always say when I hire a business analyst into my team, I don't care whether you've got 101 business analysis certifications and all of that stuff. My only, my first and most important question, how I determine whether that person is, is capable of doing the role is one um, their ability to talk and hold a conversation with me and to ask me questions because oh, yeah. the, the importance of a business analyst is you're going into people's businesses to understand what the problems are. If you don't know how mm -hmm. to ask someone questions and to um, get the answers without them knowing that you're trying to get answers out of them. How can you accurately help them? Exactly. How can you, you even diagnose the issue if you're not willing to ask the right questions in the right manner? Exactly. And I've met so many people that have all the certifications, but don't know how to communicate with people, don't know how to talk, yeah. um, don't know how to listen. It's funny. I, I, I was doing some work for a – so I run a digital marketing business um, now. And I was doing some work for a friend. And – it, we kind of, we had a misunderstanding and he mm. called me out and he called me. We, we didn't speak for a couple of weeks 
and he called me and no, I sent him a message and said, Hey dude, we need to talk. So he's mm. based in, um, uh, man, why is it gone out? Now, see, this What's is why you got yourself in trouble. You don't even know where your friend's at now. No, and, and you're supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm really bad. I'm you really, really screwed this with, guy over now. <laughs> I'm really bad with states. What state is the home of country music? Uh, Tennessee. Thank you. That's where he is. <laughs> there you go. Okay, I got you. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know my American trivia. I got you. Yeah. Hire me on. <laughs> so, I'll work Saturdays so for you. <laughs> so he's in Tennessee at the moment. So um, I'm so obviously there's a six hour difference. We we've had a few time time issues or whatever, but we we always make it work. Anyway, he called. Yeah. I I said let's have a conversation because we haven't spoken in a while. And we get on there, and he was like, I started to. I was like, so what's happening in business? And he was like, no, hold up, let's. We need to talk man to man first. And he called me out for something, and he was like, he goes, he goes, I like, he goes, I like regular David, and I'm like, cool. I'm like, regular David likes you. So he's like, yeah, I like regular David. But he goes, yellow weight David, your business David? He goes, I don't like him. And I was like, oh, whoa, what's going on here? And he was like, it was like, well, yellow weight David doesn't listen. He said, when, when, when we started talking, I told you um, that money was tight and we wanted to do certain things. And, you know, you'd, you, weren't, you, you didn't hear me. Um, and you were trying to get me to invest in doing sales funnels and all of that stuff. Mm. And you just went straight into your standard formula and you weren't, you didn't notice my cries of like, Hey dude, this isn't what I want. I don't have the money to do all of this stuff that you're, yeah. that you're proposing. Um, I think part of my miscommunication was that I, I wasn't making it clear enough that I wasn't expecting him to pay for all of that, that I was trying to work that in so that it would be free of charge. Um, but yeah. either way, that wasn't what he wanted. And as a business analyst, I should have picked up on that straight away. I think what... In my conversation, judgment, yeah. Yeah, my judgment was clouded sure. because I allowed my friendship to take over rather than my analyst um yeah so i noticed that too where i when i'm talking to a friend especially when trying to give advice or help them out i start rattling off a lot of especially because in in my field i'm in entertainment and i i do i do a lot of sales so i realize like my one buddy's trying to move down to florida i'm trying to explain everything to him in the good fashion first well actually i hit him up with a few the very basic negatives you know the the moving process it's going to be expensive right off the bat. As soon as you're down here and settled, the cost of living is amazing and everything's going to go your way. I guarantee it. And then I start selling them and pitching them all these things though. And I'm showing them these places, for instance, like I'm shooting them, you know, places to live and whatnot. And and I, I neglect to realize to include the part where I'm going to help them build up to that point. And he's like, well, uh, David, I can't afford any of that. <laughs> like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Sorry. I get off on a tangent. I'm showing you this for five years from now. I'm not expecting you to move into this yeah, place yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. We'll, we'll find you a place for now that is, you know, not cockroach infected, you know, a decent place, you know, uh, may have a few cracks in the armor, but it'll be extremely cheap. It'll be beautiful. It'll be anything better than you've had in Chicago. And then we'll get you to this place. And this is, I'm just yeah. telling you, this is a place that I know. Of. I realize as, as I'm talking to a friend, I just start rattling off without giving some context to it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I do the same. And but you know, the longer long and short of it was we, we decided to to tear up the commercial agreement and work. So I've got so my other side hustle is really my um I've started to build a podcasting network. Um and mm. I put this this show and everything that I do goes onto my, my regular podcast. So we're gonna be working together right. to do stuff that way to to get so it doesn't cost them anything. It doesn't cost me anything apart from my time to, to host shows where they can come in and share their expertise. So yeah. using different angles, but rather than me doing my typical digital marketing stuff with them and my typical business analysis stuff with them and you know getting really into project management and getting into Gantt charts and all of that stuff, and oh, we've got this timeline and these deadlines we've got to hit. They didn't want any of that. And it, yeah. and it was a learning curve for me. It was not even a learning, it was a learning experience for me because I think if you walk around this life thinking that you know it all, you miss the opportunities to learn and to improve yourself. And that for me was a, that was an in, invaluable lesson in how unknowingly arrogant I can be when it comes yeah. to my field of expertise. And I think there's a, there is a, fine line between being confident in your ability and being arrogant with your ability Um, and I think in that instance I became arrogant with my ability and so for me I'm I'm always about hey be confident in who you are if I'm going to bring anyone into my team I want them to be confident in, in what in who they are if they if they show any signs of arrogance and stuff like that it doesn't work because you can't you can't lead someone that doesn't want to be led. Yeah, and that's actually that's exactly what I was going to say is with with the person that I hired, uh, Terrence, who's absolutely kick ass and doing awesome. One of the biggest things that I realized early on in running this is that a lot of times, nine times out of ten, it is much better to have someone who's an empty head, who's willing to learn and is actually interested than someone who has been in the business because they're generally arrogant and are know-it-alls. Yeah. The, the guy that I hired, Terrence, over the other dude that I was looking at hiring, Chris, Chris was amazing. Nice guy, amazing to talk to, so much experience, almost as much experience as I have. That was part of the issue that I had with him. Everything that he was telling me was to try to be like, I could show you guys how to do this and that. And little does this kid know that I was doing most of these things well before he could, you know, get a job. Well, well before anyone yeah. else. Some of these things he's telling me, I shadowed under the guy that invented them. <laughs> <laughs> I learned this before anyone else, buddy. And, and by the way, to give some some clarity is uh, I, I, I got a few businesses, but I got two escape rooms, an axe throwing facility, uh, a gun concealment furniture business and a 3D business, uh, 3D printing. Right. For the escape rooms especially, I shadowed under the best guy there is, who's now the other co-owner of the businesses. And he's been around since the beginning. He built the first yeah. ever escape room with no locks in it. He built the first ever pirate room in the world. He built the first ever heist room in the world. And the, some of the tricks that he's learned didn't exist until he came around and made them. For instance, right. this, this sounds like something small, but it makes a crazy difference in the world. We built a room that's mostly PVC pipe. 
and it's a monster mayhem room. It's like Frankenstein, the werewolf man, all that, right? Yeah. And we're making a layer. The PVC pipe has to look like pipes, old school pipes. And what we did was, is if you take wood finish, uh, Rust-Oleum wood finish, and you put it on something white, clear, something very light colored, and then you spray it immediately after applying it, it clumps up like rust and it looks like rust. He invented oh, that. Right. And that is used universally now. Like the actual Universal Studios, the huge, you know, theme park, they use that trick because they learned it from him. Right. And this kid's trying to tell me this stuff <laughs> that <laughs> I learned forever ago, that I learned when I first came in at like 17. And it's like, okay, buddy, <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but the guy, the other owner, he invented that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and just his arrogance in the way he displayed his education was totally off. You want to sell yourself in a way that you can be applied. You don't want to yeah. tell the guy who's running the business how you're going to apply yourself. Yeah, you want to you want to put your skill forth set in a sense of here's what I could do, and I'm interested to see how you can use my benefits. Not saying here here's what I could do for you. Exactly, <laughs> this is what I am going to do for you. This. You know what I mean? He's not pitching himself. Yeah. As, you know, you're the boss. You you show me the ropes. Here are my skill sets. He's pitching to me as if you hire me, here's exactly what I'm going to do. And in my head, I'm like, well, that's exactly what I don't want you to do. Little do you know, yeah. I'm already good at all those things and I'm better than you. And I don't want you to touch those things. So if you're yeah. going to do that, you're not going to be good here. <laughs> yeah. He's pitching, he's pitching himself as though he's a consultant. <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah. That, that's and, not what and, I'm looking for. And especially for us, I mean, our escape room in Florida is the number one in Florida. Our one in Chicago is third in the U.S. And we're about to open one in Orlando that will, without a doubt, take at least second place in the U.S. Because the first place is a really tough guy to beat and we love him. But, uh, yeah, you're not going to consult us on escape rooms. Companies come to us hey, for consultations, I, though. Hey, I, I love Orlando. So, uh, if you, when, hey, when you, you guys go. open, I'm, I'm going to have to visit. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'm already down here now. So anytime uh -huh. you're, I tell everybody that I talk to, especially like you, you're awesome. I'm getting along with you. Great. You come down to Florida. I don't care where it is. You tell me, I'll meet you out there. I'll bring you a nice Cuban cigar. Nice. Nice. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We, I think that, that, that was the one thing that we missed. We haven't been out to Orlando since 2018 and we were, we were normally out there once, once or twice a year. So, oh yeah, um, I'm there every week practically. So, <laughs> I currently yeah. I got a house over in Lakeland, which is like the city next to Orlando. It's like an hour away or so, and it's in between Tampa and Orlando. Yeah, but that's where I got the other escape room at right now. And then the next one will be in Orlando. But I, I'm over here because the cost of living over here, the job market, and just it's Lakeland is the most moved to city in America the past five years straight. So it's like it's it's a it's turning into kind of like a city. But at the same time, it's very small town America, so it has the yeah. best of both worlds. So I'm yeah, not leaving I'll, here anytime soon, is what I'm getting. We at. were because <laughs> we, <laughs> we wanted. I think maybe I think late 2018 we were looking at. Um, I wanted to relocate to Sarasota, but um, man, just uh, the the visa for for moving to moving to the u.s and starting a business in the u.s is crazy nuts. it's just nuts. The, the level of investment that they ask for i'm like 
hey, if I was to put that in, there and there's no guarantee. Look, I'm not gonna front and say that say like I can I can guarantee that every business will be a success because that that would be me lying. If I if I did, I'd be yeah. in it right now. Um, yeah, I've had businesses that have done well and businesses that haven't done well. So that's the reality <clears throat> of life. So. To put that level of investment in, move my move my wife and my three kids, sell our home here and everything, and take and that. Totally change your life, by the way. It would, I would, dude. I would love because it's to not do just it. the work; it's it's your actual life that'll change. And even if it's for the better, you're going to run into struggles, especially with kids. You know, God forbid. I, I'm sure where you live in the UK, the schools are a bit better than here in the US. So <laughs> if that kid goes to school and is getting bullied. And I'm not gonna lie, I didn't. I, I'm being one million percent honest with you. I did not know that racist people exist in terms of like, like the white, like KKK, like Southern racist. I yeah. did not know they exist until I moved down here. And they don't exist much. And they don't. They, there's not that many as people make it out to be. But all it takes is one asshole. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's all it takes is one asshole. And God yep. forbid that kid makes your life miserable. You know. You know, where I'm from, I kind of just, you know, go to the school and break that kid's legs or kick his ass. But I can't do that anymore. You know what I mean? I, you can't yeah, do you that grew, in Florida. You, but. you grew up in the south side of Chicago, so yeah. I don't even need to That's... hear anything else. I, I, I know about the south side of Chicago. All I need to tell you about that is I'll tell you one quick story. When I was about 13, 14 years old, a kid pushed my little sister. Now... Now, my family has, has fought with the mafia in Chicago. We, uh, people know my family. You say my name, my last name in Chicago. People know my family. They won't know me, sadly, which is sad, but they'll know my family. They'll know that last name. And yeah. a kid pushed my little sister, and this kid's like maybe eight. I'm 13. I went over there and kicked that kid's ass. His dad came out, and I said, you better shut the hell up before I come over there and kick your ass next for teaching your kid that it's okay to put his hands on a woman. <laughs> and the guy stepped down <laughs> and he stepped back and he said I'm not going to take any part of this <laughs> no that hey for real I'm, look I I can't be mad at that because yeah I got three I got three daughters and I keep saying it to I keep saying to people there's one thing in this world I grew up in South London and South London I've seen some shit. I've seen some. Yeah, nah. I'm sure. I know I, London I was, isn't as pretty as it sounds. Yeah. So, <laughs> and South London, South London was notorious for, we, we had all the gangs. We had everything. And you, you had to know how to take care of yourself. And yeah. I've always said to people, I, I stay out of all of that BS. I'm, I wasn't interested in gang life. Um, I, knew, I knew the dudes in the gangs and stuff like that, but I wasn't interested in gang life. But when it comes to my wife and my kids, oh, I'll do some gang shit. Someone, someone is getting duct tape and put in the trunk of a car and getting driven somewhere where no one's going to find them for my wife and kids. Uh, and for me, that's the mentality I have when it comes to, to my wife and kids. I will, do, I will give my life to protect them. So I can understand your attitude towards, hey, if someone puts their hands on your sister or, or anything like that, because I've got a little you sister, and <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be damned if you put your hands on my sister. Oh, yeah. So, 
it, it's it's I, I get it. I get it. The South, the, I think the difference between no, I, I can't, I can't even say it's a difference because because it's the same. It's just it was probably easier access in the in in the South Side of Chicago to get access to, to firearms, but South London they they made it look easy. Like I had it is, but that's also why you don't do it though, because the second you're caught with a gun, you're in trouble. So that's Man. why you just don't get a gun, and that's the one thing that I did have on my side is I could understand the people who did have guns and the ones that wanted to pretend that they did. Yeah. And if someone did have a gun, then there was different ways of dealing with them. I I don't, I don't take care of those people. I call my brother and they're taken care of, you know, if if anyone doesn't have a gun though, I'll kick your ass right to, right to your face. (laughs) And that's what I I miss. And uh, have you ever seen the, the show Cobra Kai by chance? Yeah. Oh, I love that show. And one of the things I love about it is, well, one of the first, like, like the first season, the girl comes into the gym and he, she's telling Johnny that, you know, she's being cyberbullied, and he like, he acts like he's about to make fun of her for it. And he, he just goes, what a bunch of pussies back in my day. You wanted to bully someone. You did it to their face. There was respect. There was honor. <laughs> I was like, that's so true. It's like back in the day, you wanted to bully someone. You didn't hide behind the internet. You wanted to go do it. You did it to their face. And there is at least respect and honor in that. And that yeah. I will say, people might think Dude. it was more dangerous, but there was respect and honor there. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got zero respect for cyber bullies. No, they're I'm bitches, like- dude. Like, you hide him behind a keyboard. <laughs> I do that now. I play video games with my friends from Chicago. And, like, the one guy we beat his ass in the video game so bad that he joined our party. And he said he, he was, like, he's like, oh, well, I, I know that you live, you know, here. And I'm like, okay, do something about it, bitch. And he's like, yeah. what? I was like, come do something about it. You have my address? C- come to my location. Come on. Come see what happens. And it's like, you could tell that the guy was just an absolute coward. Yeah. I'm not afraid to shit talk to you. What are you going to do? Okay, knock off my internet. I don't care. You got me there. You're not going to come to my fucking face and do something. You're a bitch. You're a coward. You got mad over a video game about Star Wars, buddy. Yep. Yep, that's it. And that's what we're dealing with. That's, I'm I'm like, real, if you want to meet real gangsters, real thugs, they don't, they don't talk about what they're going to do to you. They just show up. No, they just do it. They just do it. They just show up. Those were the sorts of people that I had to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the sorts of people that I I went to I went to um to prime what we call it, primary school, um secondary school. Those are the kind of people that I had to deal with at school. Those were the yeah. people that you knew you knew from the age of seven, eight, nine that what what direction they were heading in. Because yeah. They'd already started that sort of stuff by that age. So. Oh yeah, and that was it was crazy for me because in the south side of Chicago, although guns are accessible, no one's going to bring a gun to school. And but that being said, especially for my my political standings or what you want to call them, but what it really came down to is there was a nice Jewish kid that I was friends with. He got bullied. I didn't like that at all. Nobody bullies him. He's a nice kid. He's not even like a religious Jew. He's just from Israel. And my school is mainly Palestinian uh, or Muslim Arab uh, a school. And that's not saying just Muslim or just Arab. It's majority Muslim Arab, which I got right. no problem with. A lot of them were great people. But the issue was is that when the whole like Trump thing happened with the Jerusalem, like, you know, embassy and whatnot, 
they started to pick on him, and that's not okay because he's a nice, quiet kid. He eats lunch by himself. He doesn't bother anyone. And so what happened was I decided to take a stand and not let him get bullied, and uh, it got my ass beat. <laughs> I got my ass beat. I got, I got stabbed in the locker room. Uh, the one time, the guy tried to stab me another time, and my buddy Marcus, who's went on to be a Marine and was actually like, I call him my brother. He's my brother. I love Marcus. I was homeless at one point. He took me in his house, and uh, he took me in his home. So uh, Marcus grabbed the dude before he could stab me, though, and we beat the shit out of him. And it was like, it really was like prison. And that was the really shitty part was that, like, at least at a little bit of a younger age, is okay. As soon as I hit that senior year and that Trump thing happened, I'm getting ready to graduate. I think everything's over with. People want to go pick on Ben. Mm. And yeah, I got fucked up. I ain't gonna lie. They, uh, they, I mean, they would jump you when you, when you weren't looking, they would pull shady shit. They had no respect or honor. I mean, the one time they tried to fight me while I was taking a piss. I pushed the kid off. I was like, Oh, wait until I'm done pissing buddy. See what happens. <laughs> it's me and you then. He's lucky I didn't turn around with my cock out and just piss all over him. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about it, but I didn't want to conduct myself in that manner. I was like, even though this man has no respect for me, I'm not going to turn around and piss on him. That's that's messed up. I pushed him off. I was like, hey. (laughs) Getting jumped while you're taking a piss is... No, that's that's low. But I've seen that happen so many times. I've seen that happen way too many times. Oh yeah, Dude, having to be like forty times just even, then. Yeah, <laughs> you don't see just it me, coming. It was just then. You don't see it coming. Oh and yeah. And all you could no. all you could do is just like I, I'm I'm a curl up in a ball and take these hits. Well, the sad part break. was for me. I I knew it was coming a lot of times. I just I have that eye. Like in TV shows, they show that like that one guy that sees it coming in like the prison yard ahead of time. That was yeah. me, and that was the unfortunate part. Was a lot of times it's like shit. I'm getting jumped. (laughs) That was the only saving grace that I had is that sometimes my friends were there and I could just tell them like, Hey, it's about to happen right now. (laughs) And they were ready with me at least, but yeah, I'm not gonna lie. They caught me off guard quite a few times there. They caught me by myself where I did see it coming and I just couldn't do anything. Cause it's like, well, it's just me. No Marcus, no Logan, just good old David. And, uh, I'm have to take it. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. As long as it's but, as long as it's fists and kicks so I'll I'll take it. You know what I mean? As long as there's no weapons involved, you know, I don't even it. care if there's ten of you guys, I'm fine with it. I'll I'll take a beating. That's it. I think back in the day I could take I I could deal with that when it was like you said, just fists. It's, it's Oh yeah. It's the low like now in the UK our biggest problem is um these kids are running around with what they call zombie knives. Zombie and, knives, what the hell? Yeah, they're like uh, blades that are probably about, on average, between 14 to 22 inches uh, with a serrated blade. Oh. So that doesn't sound once, fun. <laughs> yeah, once that goes in, as they pull it out, that's shredding that's all your organs. Yeah. Oh. And it, it's just, yeah. It's That's the one problem I have with the gun debate in England, and I don't mean to get in your guys' issues, but I was telling someone this yesterday, is one against people, if God forbid someone breaks into my house, my girlfriend cannot throw hands with a man. That's just biology. And my girlfriend's yeah. tough as shit. She's beat my ass. She's knocked me out nearly. 
because I've taught her how to fight. <laughs> she can <laughs> kick some ass. But even then, a physical advantage of a man or, God forbid, men coming in, if she has a gun at her side, she has a chance of living. Yeah. And then two, yeah. with the government one, which someone on, tic- or on stereo here literally like unfriended me, and they all started swearing at me. And I, like, they tried to twist my words. It was so crazy. But in Australia, during this quarantine shutdown, there was, there was a lady, a pregnant mom, who went on Facebook and was considering, didn't even go to this thing yet, but it considered going to like a lockdown protest to protest the lockdowns. The cops came into their house and arrested this pregnant woman. And I could not think of a more terrifying thing happening to my girlfriend for, for something that she put online. That's not even a call to action. You know what I mean? I even understand with like, there's criminals out there that will say like, I'm going to kill, you know, so-and-so or this and that, or I'm going to bond this. I don't understand one of those. She's talking about going out and protesting lockdowns and they're coming into her house and arresting a pregnant woman. Like if my government did that, I said this, I said, if my government is coming into my house to take away my kids or to take away my wife from me, and they do not have just standards of, of doing that, I'm going, I'm going to shoot them dead. I will shoot them dead. If they came here to arrest my wife because she was involved in some illegal activity, I would let it go. If they came for my kids for illegal activity, that's perfectly fine. But the two instances that are terrifying that are happening right now are being proposed are if you have a kid that's transgender, for instance, and you call, you don't, you know, give them hormone treatment, not even just like calling their name, but like if you don't give them chemicals to alter their body in a way that you find uncomfortable, like not safe for them, not uncomfortable, but not safe, that you think endangers their life. Because I don't think any kid should have any say in what they do. Once you're 18, go do whatever you want. I don't care. You're not affecting my life and you're not living under my roof. Go ahead. But when you're under 18, you're not an adult and you don't get to say what you want to do. And if I can not give my kids who's like 10, for instance, puberty blockers and I'm going to get arrested for that or they're going to come take my kid, I will shoot them dead. That's messed up. I don't want to do it. I pray to God that never happens, but I will shoot them dead before I let them take my kid from me. Because what's yep. if, if they're willing to go that far to take my kid from me, what action do I have to do to take my kid back? It's going to be insane. I have to forcefully give my kid hormone replacement oh, therapy or something oh. to get him back? Inject my kid with drugs? No, I'll put it this way. So in the UK, if your kid, if you are accused of something, your kid is taken out of your care and put into the foster care system, mm-hmm. you can't get your child back. Once your child goes into the system, you can never get them back. That's disgusting. And that's the type so of thing that I fear. You do not want your, your child get put into the system. And well, the, here's the worst part of it, too, is when I say that thing, people say that you're just, well, the one guy was saying that I'm asking to get, like, like my family attacked. And it's like, first of all, buddy, I don't know if you know this, but I live in the biggest city in America with the highest number of guns. Not the biggest city People-wise, but I'm saying the, an actual considered city, not a town, but a city with the highest gun ownership rate. 96% of people here own guns. Our sheriff has said if people try to come to my city and take guns away from citizens unlawfully, we will have a war. <laughs> I was like, I ain't worried about that, first of all. And two, my issue with like the, the transgender thing and my kid is that it's it's science. It's, it's not that like I hate my kid. I'll even call them by pronouns if they want to be called by pronouns. The issue is 
and and my again my sister is one of the top covid doctors and just one of the top yeah. doctors in the united states is it's been found that if you give a kid for instance that wants to let's say you got a young boy who's 12 and you give them puberty blockers when they actually grow up because their body didn't develop enough they can't even get the transition surgery that they might want to get it they might you know to, not to be inappropriate obviously because it's disgusting talking about with kids but if they didn't develop in their you know if he didn't develop a big enough penis for instance he can't or she can't get that tr surgery to be a female and now they're yeah. in a bigger crisis and that's exactly why kids shouldn't have these decisions because they're just being told to be more female they need to start taking puberty blockers without thinking about the next step yeah and i as an adult and a parent am responsible enough to understand hey listen if you do want to do this it's not going to go good if you start it now yeah exactly. if you don't do when you're 18 you're fully developed go ahead but I'm telling you this not just because I, I want to hurt you or something. I'm telling you this because it's going to end up bad for you, and I care about you. And if you yeah. want to research or look more into it, we can do that together, and I'd be happy to. But you're a kid. I'm an adult. And it's up to me to make sure that you get the best medical care and that you're in the right spot. Because if you're not in good you know, mental or physical standing, that's on me. I'm the adult mm -hmm. here. I'm liable for that. Not just in a legal sense, but I love you, and I want you to be okay. One hundred percent. I'm like, I don't agree, and people can people can say what they want to say about this, but I do not agree with um, children being allowed to make those decisions about whether they get given those puberty blockers and all of that. Oh, dude! When I, I was a kid, I thought I was like a fucking dinosaur walking around the house. You're gonna let me decide what the fuck I want to be? I'm an idiot, dude. That's <laughs> I wanted tattoos of alligators and shit on my arms growing up. I thank God I didn't do that. Like, God forbid, I actually do something that'll alter my mind forever. <laughs> dude, it's crazy. It's crazy. You want me to be legally responsible for this child until they're eighteen? But I cannot make you don't get any control though. <laughs> <You don't>... Yeah. <laughs> so if if you if you believe a twelve year old is capable of making those decisions, then you might as well give them their social security number, and let them work. And yeah, well, and that's my biggest thing on everything that I was telling everyone about is like, I, I I I even understand like my biggest issue here in America is like everything. We need to pick an age. If you're an adult at eighteen, you should be able to do anything an adult can do at eighteen. That's one of my biggest issues with the law here is we don't have clearly defined lines of when you're an adult. I don't even care if it's 25 or 21 or 18, but we need to pick a year. And when that year happens, you should be an adult on all levels. You should be able to smoke, drink, join the military, whatever you want to do. It's different in each state, isn't it? It, it is, and not even just in each state, but just nationally. Nationally, you need to be... Well, you used to need to be 18 to smoke, 21 to drink, and then like 25, I guess you could do some things. Let me ask my girlfriend, do you know what you could do? What is it at age 25 that you could do as an adult in the United Did States? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. As, as uh, 25 years old, you can't even rent a car until 25. Oh, that's mad. Yeah, so you're, you're an adult who could smoke and drink, but you know, for all these years, and then you have to wait like six more years to be able to even rent a car or even like something like, uh, the only company that I know of is U-Haul somehow is allowed to let, if you're 21 and up, you could rent a U-Haul to move, thank God. Because uh, imagine if you couldn't, you rent a U-Haul until you're 25 and you have shitty parents. It's like, how are you supposed to move? Damn. That puts you That's in a fucked up like financial situation. That's nuts. It is. And it's like, that's if you think about it, that's what's so mad is you can't. 
you know, rent certain like cars or, you know, uh, certain places or certain things. You can't get certain insurances until you're 25, but you could go drink and smoke. What? Oh, no. <laughs> Dude, this so this this is the one that's crazy for me. In the UK, you are uh, the age of consent is sixteen, but you can't watch R-rated movies or or whatever yeah. until you're eighteen. <laughs> no, yeah, that's yeah. The age of consent here is another thing. And my girlfriend just brought up the uh, for schooling reasons. You're not the government, and this is the government entity that decides this, so it is a government regulation. You're not considered an independent until age twenty-four. So, like, for instance, this, I can tell you this with me, because when, when I was at school, it was like, I'm not with my parents. I don't live at home. I left, I left home a while ago. I'm completely independent, but I'm not 24 years old. So when I wanted to get in-state tuition to say, you know, I want to go to college here. I want to get in-state tuition. They say, okay, well, we need your parents' information. I say, my parents live in a totally different state and I don't live with them anymore. And they go, oh, so you're 24 years old and independent. I go, no, I'm not 24 yet. And, and they went, oh, okay, do you have a child? And I was like, no. And they're like, well, then you can't be like, uh, you can't get it. In-state tuition. I was like, what? <laughs> I remember back when it happened, uh, it was some time ago, it was a few years ago, but I was like, so since I'm not 24 years old yet, <laughs> since I was responsible enough to not have a kid, and since I didn't drag my parents to the state with me, I can't go to college for the proper rate, even though I've lived here for a couple years now? And they were like, yep. And I was like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> I was like, fuck you. And this is like, this is whatever college does. So it's like, unless they make an exception for you and you could like smooth talk them, that's just what you're stuck with. That's, that's nuts. Yeah. So there's, I mean, and that's where I was telling everyone is like, that's why I'm a libertarian. Cause I find that most of these rules are fucked up and stupid. And it's like the government should just leave everyone alone. The government should have anything to do with when I should be able to smoke or drink. And if they do, they need to make it one age, one age, pick an age. That's the age. That's what I'm allowed to, because I can understand like, you know, children with being independence or consent. I understand all that, but you have to at least pick a year if you're going to put these restrictions on us and make it one year, not like a 10 year span of different things you're allowed to do. (laughs) I can't, so kids can't, in the UK, you can't drink alcohol until you're 18, but you can drink alcohol in the, in the presence of your parents in your in your own home from the age of five. Oh, are we allowed to do that here? Right here, you can't drink until you're 21. But if you're at home under supervision, you don't leave your house. You're allowed to drink, right? No, that's not a law. <laughs> I love you so much. She says. She says not if nobody knows, but <laughs> I love you. He's like not illegal if no one sees it. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, uh, you can you can you can get your children alcohol from the age of five if you want to. Oh man! That's your, but I think that's a rule here, but I think it's drink. maybe state by state like the other one. I think that that's like you know Tennessee, the the home of country. I'm sure they have laws like that, but that's not a federally thing here. It would be like state by state, and you could probably get away with that. Yeah, some crazy stuff. Yeah, governments, governments, dude, it's all about, like you said, it's about people looking out for their own interests, whatever they can make. Because really and truly, what the hell does the government care um, what age you smoke or drink? Making money. something out of it. Exactly. Making money, yep. (laughs) Yeah. The only reason they they care about anything is that they're trying to tell these people, man. They just want money. That's all they care about. Yeah. Yeah. So... 
it is what it is. The, the, the biggest problem, yeah, yeah, governments, governments, man. <laughs> yeah, but you can't go without them either. You know what I mean? You nah, can't go that nah. far. You need some sort of regulation, but it should be very small. My biggest thing is I, I live by two mottos, two quotes. John Locke, I may not agree with what you say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. And two, I forgot who this one was, but it's another philosopher, and it's, you may wave your fist in the air as hard and as wide as you want, as long as you don't hit anybody. Mm. You, you can do whatever you want, as long as you're not hurting anybody. Yeah. If you're not I hurting anyone, that. I have zero inches in what you're doing. I don't care. Yeah. I hear that. I feel that. Oh, yeah. I feel that. Hell yeah, brother. Well, my family just got back home, man. It's been so yeah, great talking to say, you. Man, it's, uh, <laughs> me, my, I can hear my, my wife and kids downstairs doing some stuff. So I'm like, hey, I want to get in on the action too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, bro, now it's been real good talking to you, man. I look forward to talking to you again. Hey, you too, brother. I'm going to give you a follow on Instagram so you can uh, see me on there. All right, cool. Take care, man. Take care, dude.